One of the birdiest places is the Rio Grande Valley. Orioles, Green Jays, and Kiskadees are birds you'll likely see. Thank you all for tuning into Hannah and Eric Go Birding, a podcast by birders for birders. I'm Hannah, and he's Eric. And we created this podcast to share our adventures, sometimes misadventures, and opinions that we have on birding topics. We are definitely not experts, and anything that we discuss that might be controversial, we want you to remember their own opinions, and they might be different from yours. So, this episode has a whole bunch of birding news and a whole bunch of information from what oh we just gosh. did. So, yeah. so, we'll try to rush through birding news real quick <laughs> and then try to rush through the meat of the episode because there's a lot to cover. Well, and first things first, um, we talked about this before, but we generally enjoy a couple of adult beverages as we record this. And um, I wanted to share with you guys what we're drinking just real quick. Yeah, so, so, Eric, what, are, what do you got? Oh, I'll go first. Ha. Okay, I guess I'll go first. So, I am drinking. And then Kasi Dawn of the Red, Red IPA, which is pretty darn good. Where's it from? It's from Ninkasi, which, which is, is uh, a Eugene brewery. Okay. So it's down University of Oregon. You know? Boo. <laughs> Ducks. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a pretty good IPA. It's not, not too crazy hoppy. It's got a little bit of a, um, I guess you could call it like a multi-taste. It's, it's almost like a mix between a red beer and, a, and an IPA. It's pretty good. Nice. Yeah. What are you drinking? Um, so we picked this up at the store earlier because I was tired of drinking all the IPAs that you have in the fridge since I don't really care for IPAs. And I have another one from Eugene that I'd never heard of before. It's, it's called uh, Hefe by Faded Flannel Brewing Company. Mm -hmm. And it's really good. I like lighter beers like Hefeweizens and things like that. And uh, this one is it's good. It's a little fruity, which is kind of what I was hoping for. Um, and it's a little it's, bit hazy too. No, I was say it's a, it's a hazy Hefeweizen, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. a little cloudy. That's good. Yeah. It's good. So, so those are the beers we're drinking. Yeah, the beers we're drinking. The beers <laughs> we're enjoying while you're listening. Okay. So, no. <laughs> um, we have some burning news from the Rio Grande Valley burning festival. Uh, we ran into a couple listeners when we were down there, which was super cool. Listeners in the wild. Yes, uh, we met Chris from Chicago. He was actually on one of our field trips. Yeah. So that was really exciting to talk to him and uh, hang out with him throughout the day. Yeah, that was fun. And we also uh, met up uh, for a little bit with uh, Devin from California. I'm not quite sure she's a listener. She was she saw me and she was like, I follow you on Instagram. And I was like, that's cool. <laughs> so I don't know if Devin actually listens. But um, if you do, thanks for following me on Instagram. And thanks for... Uh, listening and it was really Devin was really cool. I really enjoyed talking to her. She's yeah. a, a biology professor, hmm. so that's awesome. Yeah, I, I didn't really get a chance to talk to her. Yeah, she was in your van. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the last person that we had, but not least, that we hadn't met before, that came up and said, "Hey, listen to you." <laughs> I well, guess we've we've corresponded with with uh, Greg um, quite a bit. He's he's the one that won the um, the owl book. That we uh, we had a contest for on Facebook uh, a couple months back, the House of Owls by Tony Angel. Yeah, so, so that was really cool. Yeah. We we did get to hang out with Greg a bit and talk about birding and up in his area and uh, you know guiding and things yeah. like that. So that was really cool. Thanks. Yeah, that was cool. And then we had one gal that I don't know if she's a listener or I don't know what the situation was. But we were standing and talking to a couple of our friends, and this gal kept kind of walking past us and smiling at me. And I don't know if it was she just thought I was 
I looked really cool, you know, she thought I was pretty, or she listens or something. I think it was because we were standing in the way, like right in the middle of the pathway. <laughs> Probably. Taking up the whole place, and she's, she thought if she walked back and forth smiling, that we would get the hint and move. She's like, get out of the way. Who knows? Um, but anyways, if you are a listener. A shout like, out to you. Yes. But also, like, feel free to interrupt our conversations. Most of our conversations that we're having out in public are not, like, sensitive topics or anything that you can't interrupt and say hi. I have embarrassed myself many times saying hi to people. I thought I saw uh, a singer from Blink-182 when I was a kid and I walked up to some random people in a restaurant and asked them. So yeah, no yeah. worries. Yeah. So that's fine. Interrupt us. Yeah. It's all good. Um, other news. Um, we had a recommendation on Facebook, uh -huh. but we can't find it. I don't know what happened to it. If, uh, if the person that did left it, uh, Decided to unrecommend us. Yeah, they're like, or, oh, I finally listened to you, and never mind, I'm pulling your recommendation. I don't know. She had a lot of positive things to say, Michelle. Um, she talked about uh, how much she listens, how much her kids, uh, her kids love to listen, also, and they're they want scopes for Christmas, and there's a whole bunch of positive things in there, but uh, we can't find it. So, well, thanks. Maybe for it's putting... not a uh, maybe it's not a review anymore. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, anyways, I read it. That made me feel good. So. That's kind of the goal. <laughs> um, one other thing, we did have our art show that I think we had talked about it on a previous episode, but uh, for in where we live in Oregon, it's called Cannon Beach. It's a very arty community. They do a festival every November. It's so much fun. It's called the Stormy Weather Art Festival. And this year we decided to do a art show at the hotel that we own and work at and uh, show some of Eric's work as well as my yeah. sister's fiance's mother's work and eric actually sold a couple yeah, things sold a couple pieces it was yeah. nice so it was really cool and it was fun to talk with people about birds as always and uh you know we we always get interesting stories from people about birds oh yeah yeah and then we're going to be having another art show the day after thanksgiving um here at the hotel november 29th i believe yes and i have a cold by the way so i'm so sorry i sound like this so just well, bear with me if, if you're in oregon swing by Day after Thanksgiving. Yeah. If you're not in Oregon, we'll probably post some pictures on Facebook. Probably. Yeah. Um, so then, of course, we have some rare birds coming up. I'm just going to fly through them uh, since we want to get to the meat of our episode. Um, there's been a tufted duck hanging out in the, well, it looks like a couple, New York, Newfoundland, and Ontario. Um, ruddy ground dove in Arizona. Hmm. Bluefoot of booby also in Arizona. Man, that's kind of far. And then... Florida's had some things, smooth-billed onis, Antillian palm swift, mass booby. Um, so, yeah, lots of boobies around, man. There's a mass booby, Nazca, blue-footed, red-footed, <laughs> a lot of different ones. So if you are out and about and you see some cool birds, you know, make sure to e-bird it and put it online so other people can find it. Yeah, and so our last episode, we had... People, we, we had p different cities vying for the top spot for number of downloads over the last couple days. It's been swinging between Austin and Austin, Texas and Seattle, Washington. Yeah. Where, do you know, do you know where we're at today as, as of the recording of this? <laughs> I think as of the recording of this, Seattle's in the lead. Seattle's the winner. Mm -hmm. All right. Just one ahead of Austin. So <laughs> we appreciate you all listening. We've actually had a lot of listeners from different places that I wouldn't necessarily anticipate. Um, of course, we have some in South Korea. Uh, we did have a review recently from somebody who lives in South Korea, so that's super cool that they're still listening, as well as yeah. I imagine they got a friend to listen to because there's two 
two listens. Well, maybe they download it twice. It's so good they download it twice. That would be really cool. <laughs> um, we've also had a ton of people in Finland. So shout out to you guys. We really enjoyed going to Finland. Yeah. <laughs> I know Eric wants to go back and enjoy Definitely. more Finnish food because he loved the moose and the three meat. Thing, the, the, the three, three fish, fish, the three fish platter that I had. Yeah, that yeah. Um, and we only we only visited visited one city in Finland. We we need to. There's a whole country oh, yeah. left to left to see. Totally. Um, and then Sweden's had a couple listeners too. So thank you all for tuning in, as well as everybody else from all the other places. It looks like this lap last episode reached 179 different cities. Oh, nice. So that is super cool and makes us have warm fuzzies. So, <laughs> thanks. So the meat of the episode today is going to be about the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival. It's, like I said, we're going to try to race as fast through it as we can without leaving out very much. But we had five <laughs> days. Of... So if you're listening to this, just put it on half speed if you can do that. Yeah. And then we'll be talking at a normal pace. So we're Oregonians and people in the Pacific Northwest typically talk a little faster because it's so cold. And so we need to speak fast so we don't no, have to. No, we can jump back <laughs> under the blankets and warm back up. Exactly. So, um, yeah, we might talk a little fast. So put it at like three quarter or yeah, half speed. or half or something. <laughs> but yeah, so the Rio Grande Valley, we were down there for seven days. Uh-huh. We had one day before the festival, we had five days of festival, and then kind of, not really, one no, day after. No, we flew out at 5.30 in the morning. But it, it was seven days down there. But, uh, so we're going to try to cram all seven days into... An hour. Try to get it into an hour. So, um... So we had seven days down in the valley, like Eric had said. Um, the first day, we wasn't a festival day at all. We just got there to reorient ourselves with the area and um, also meet up with some friends. And so we met up with Bill Sane, uh, who you might remember from a previous episode. We From an episode a full year ago. Yeah, we interviewed him when we were at the Rio Grande Valley Festival last year. And um, he said, hey, I'm doing some birding. And we said, hey, yeah, let's meet up for lunch and birding. But before, we, he didn't know what time we were going to leave. So we decided to get up real early because, you know, we had gotten in at midnight the night before and just well, wanted to get why, up. Why not wake up at 5 the next morning and yeah. start birding? Hashtag no sleep club. So first we went to Edinburgh Scenic Wetlands, mm -hmm. um, which is one of our favorite birding spots in the McAllen area. And also we love going there because we know... Pretty much everybody that works there. Yeah. <laughs> so it's fun well, to see our old yeah. friends. And um, also there had been a green-breasted mango scene there a couple days previously. And I totally misread the rare bird alert and thought it had been seen there the day before. So I was all gung-ho to find it. And Eric, for some reason, didn't tell me, hey, it was seen you know, a week ago. We're probably not going <laughs> to find it. I thought you knew. Obviously not. Don't oh, under... Well. Don't... Est overestimate me. <laughs> um, but it's a beautiful location. We saw a lot of cool things. It was fun to see. Uh, it was our first Chachalacas for the year and like Green Jays and Kiskadees and getting used to all those valley specialties again. Yeah, getting used to all the sights, the sounds, the smells of the valley. It was nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we went on to Roselawn Cemetery, which is in McAllen as well, and uh, there had been some good birds seen there the day before, so we decided and, to hit and that. And that morning, too, there was a few of the reports, some of the tanagers and gross beaks were reported first thing in the morning, but we didn't get there until like 11. Yeah, so there like wasn't that. a whole lot there. So we went on to Nana's Taqueria, which is our friend Bill, one of his favorite places. Uh, and we'd never been there before. And it's right next to Estariana Grande State Park, which is our next location. Yeah. So it was... So, so we had lunch there with... Uh... 
with Bill and Sally and... Um, we met Rob Ritma yes. and John Lowry as well. So that was fun. And yeah, that was fun meeting I, some new people, having some delicious tacos. And and it was a surprise that my friend Roy, who had I had worked with at Benson River yeah. and Valley State Park, was there. With yeah, he was a, there too. He was with a whole group <laughs> of butterflyers because the Butterfly Festival and the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival, they butt up against one each other, one another. I think probably because butterflyers and birders, there's some um, overlap there. So you probably get a lot of people that stay for both festivals. I think there's a ton that stay for I think... It's more than half the butterflyers are staying for the bird festival. Probably. It's got to be. <laughs> so anyways, I feel like everyone's like, oh, I've been here for a week already on day one <laughs> of the festival. So uh, Roy was leading a group there, and he um, came over and said hi, so it was really exciting to see yeah. him. And then, of course, I mean, fantastic food, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. It was delicious. And they had that, uh, that hot sauce that was like some creamy stuff that was with habaneros. And, oh, man, that was delicious. <laughs> it was spicy, but it was good. Um, and then, and they also had these like, uh, lonches, lonches, which is like a, t like street taco, but it's like in a really buttery bun instead of like a tortilla, tortilla, tortilla. Sorry. We say tortilla <laughs> in our family. <laughs> yeah. So tor it's, it's, I don't, I can't remember exactly what it was called, but, uh, it's lonches, L-O-N-C-H-E-S. And it's like a fluffy, I think it's hot dog bun almost. L-O-S. Lonches. Lonches. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know. C-H-E-S. Anyways, yeah. it was really good. They're delicious. No matter how you say it, no matter how you spell it or anything, it's delicious. I'm sure it's spelled both ways <laughs> in yeah. some places. Who cares? Um, so then we went to Asteriana Grande State Park and we met up with Greg Miller. Yes. Who we have interviewed in another yes. podcast episode. <laughs> we interviewed him in Florida about a year ago. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he... he was a great addition to our little group as we birded around Astero. Astero is a fantastic location. It's not very old, um, but it gets just a ton of birds Tons there. Of birds. Last year when we were there, there was maybe 3,000 black-bellied whistling ducks. At least, um, yeah. This year, there was not that many. It was kind of hard to find couple, black bellies. There was a, there was there. a couple hundred. You think? Yeah, a couple hundred. But okay. at the most, yeah. But we wandered around, and there was a report of a glossy ibis being seen there, and we got back to one of the back ponds, and there were a couple ibis there, and we were standing there debating whether it's a glossy or a white-faced, and that was what was great about having Greg, is that he had spent time taking pictures of both, of juveniles of both species, and comparing them against each other. So he had like this incredible knowledge about what to look for to differentiate mm -hmm. between the two. Yeah, so there, there was the one adult... Which, in, in non-breeding plumage, which that was, that was kind of like a, all right, well, it's kind of weird. It's a little bit weird looking, but it's definitely uh, glossy. And then the other two was the whole really long discussion, which it was really informative of like certain things to be looking for and like be kind of on the lookout for when you want to try to differentiate immature white-faced versus immature glossy, which kind of the distinction came down to, eh, you're never going to be 100% sure. <laughs> Like a lot of times, with a lot of things. Never going to be 100% sure. Yeah, so that was really cool. And then we met up with uh, Laura Paulson, mm -hmm. who we interviewed in a different episode <laughs> about marbled murelets. The, the Rio Grande Valley is just full, of, especially during this festival, is just full of birders from around the country, from ar around the world, but also mostly from around the country. Of And it's people, big names from across the country, and every other names, every other level of birder just congregates down there so if you if you've d dove into the subculture of birding and you've met a handful of people you're likely to 
re-meet them again at the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival. And I hate to be a name dropper, and I'm sorry if we come off that way, but a lot of these people are friends, and we want to, um, you know, we thought it was really fun to see them, yeah. and definitely want to get you guys to know them a little bit, because um, they're cool people, and if you ever meet one of them, you might be like, oh, Hannah and Eric talked about you. <laughs> um, name, name drop us. See if that works. <laughs> Uh, so then we had the kickoff dinner that uh -huh. evening, which is always a great time at the Harlingen Arts and Cultural Museum. And, uh, we had a guide dinner or a guide meeting afterwards so we can be told all the things Re to do and the not rules. to do. Yeah. yeah. So. It's, it's an, it's an important thing for us to all kind of get, get together, get our hats for the, for the, um, our new red hats, our new red hats for the year. And then, uh, kind of get reacquainted with the rules and like, get the one the last pep talk before the thing starts from uh from mary gustafson so it's it's always it's it's a it's an important thing yeah um so then we went to bed and next day woke up and it was our first trip which was one that we've never done before it was the laguna atascosa lakeside drive yep um it's Two vans, uh, 16 people. There are three guides from the festival and then a volunteer from Laguna Atascosa joins us. Um, I was guiding in one van with Sam Woods, who is a fantastic guide and awesome, really nice guy. Mm -hmm. He is English and he lives in Quito. Um, <laughs> so it was fun to talk to him about Ecuador. I think he wanted to focus, though, on, you know, Rio Grande Valley birds. Yeah, well, which, is, <laughs> which is important. We're there, we're there for birds. We're there yeah. for specifically the Rio Grande Valley birds. Yeah. Um, yeah. so it was really fun to hang out with him and Eric had a volunteer, Judy from mm -hmm. the from, National Wildlife Refuge exactly. joined. And then she, um, because she's volunteer and the whole festival and everything, she was able to get us like behind the scenes, uh, tour of certain parts of Laguna Atascosa that's not typically opened up to the general public. Yeah, so that was really cool. Yeah. So, so that's why that tour goes with three guides and one volunteer so that the volunteer can escort us. Specifically to the the Lakeside Drive, which isn't normally open to, to the public traffic. And also, they're going to be way more knowledgeable about what's yeah. going on at the refuge at the time. So on she a day-to-day -day basis, yeah. She gave us a lot of really good information. Like, that it's, it's like 75% of all redheads, like, overwinter at Laguna Atascosa mm -hmm. in the lakes. And we don't... Don't worry, we saw them. We saw all 75% <laughs> of redheads, the entire redhead population. Thousands and thousands America. of redheads. It... Yeah, thousands and thousands. We had hundreds of hundreds of pipe build grebes. Yeah. And there was groups of like sixteen, seventy together. Normally you see groups. one at a time. So it's that's a fantastic place for waterfowl. It's a fantastic place for hawks too. We had yeah. quite a few northern harriers just all over the place. Males, females, both flying together, so we could easily tell people, hey, male, female, here's here's what you need to look for. Gray and red, like I had a white-tailed hawk, and your group yeah, didn't we get did that. Not, we did not see a white-tailed hawk in my group. Yeah, but there were wild turkeys, uh -huh. sandhill cranes. Um, just It was a really great tour. I oh, really yeah, enjoyed it. Definitely. But we got to... So there was about an hour left. It, it's what, a six-hour tour or something like that? Or maybe eight? I can't remember exactly. It's six o'clock six <laughs> until, uh, until uh, two o'clock, I think. Okay, so um, that's eight. Yeah. Well, whatever. Um, it, it got to be, so it was like an hour before we needed to, 
to head back and Eric texts me and he's like, um, so apparently we have like nine miles left and we have an hour to do it. And we've only gone nine miles. So we <laughs> in had, four hours. We had to like rush because it was I mean, it's such a great birding trip that, you know, we would stop every couple hundred feet to look at something different. Yeah, every corner you go around, there's something new to see and something like that you need you need to stop the van for. So it's it was kind of like you, you could take two days and do that <laughs> lakeside drive. Seriously. Especially when the birds were as, like, popular or, like... Populated? Populated. is when the individual counts were as high as they were. Because we, we'd be searching through. We'd be like, oh, well, there's a whole another group of redheads. And then we'd see, like, a line through the middle of it. And then half of that group is coots. And then among that those coots mixed in a whole bunch of greaves. <laughs> it would be like, you just keep finding more and more birds the longer you're sitting looking at something. So you're trying to get everyone on each of these individual sets. It, you can... You can really get a lot of birds there. Well, and also the first day of the festival, like, it's funny the first day versus the fifth day. Yes. Because the first day, like, there's a lot of people who had never been to the valley before, and so seeing a lot of these birds are lifers, which is awesome. I love being able to show people lifers. Yes. For but, sure. like, people then want to spend longer looking at certain birds mm -hmm. because it's their first, first time seeing it, which I totally get. But you have to keep the keep it moving, mm -hmm. and then hope that they're gonna see those birds again. Well, during the festival, and at the fifth day, people are tired of seeing chachalacas and green jays and kiskadees, and they want to see like the rare things, like the olive sparrows and the terrainulets, which of course, I mean, are great birds, and we want to show them to people. They're just a little bit more difficult to find. Um, so it's always funny the first day versus the fifth day. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like... tr trying to rush people along from, from the Kiskadee. We're like, all right, well, I hear a terrainula. Let's go here. And then the f on the fifth day, it's like, I hear a terrainula. And all of a sudden, everyone's r racing after you to go find that terrainula. But nobody cares about the Kiskadee But no one's anymore. watching the Kiskadee anymore. Because <laughs> you've, seen, you've seen 50, 60, 70 of them every Aww, single day. I love them, though. <laughs> so um, we got back on t just a little bit late. Uh, and then we... Uh, had a couple hours. I think we. I went back and like took a nap because I was like beat. And then we had the first ever Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival Star Party. Yeah, which was which was fun. So we loaded up in. Um, I don't remember how many participants there were, but there was five vans. There's three vans. Three vans. No, there's no, there's four vans. <laughs> okay. There's four vans, not four five vans. vans. There's four vans. So um, we took four vans, um, drove out to this property that was south of Harlingen. Um, just kind of, it was a ranch it's a property. a private property. It was a private ranch. And, um, they, the company Lancy and... Sky. Lancy and Sky, is that what... Yeah. They, they had set up, they're an optics, uh, retailer. And they had set up, um, a whole bunch of, uh, telescopes for viewing some, um, ones with little electric motors on them to track the stars and some, like, really manual ones. So they set those up. We looked at the rings on Saturn. We looked at the, the, um, the storm belts around Jupiter. We looked... <coughs> At, um, I think we, we missed Venus, but then we saw the moon and... There's some kind of galaxy, the uh, Pleiades. The, the Pleiades constellation. We looked at the Pleiades constellation, nice nice and big, and then um, and looked at the Andromeda galaxy. So we, we got some really good looks at some of these things. It was a clear night. It was per the perfect night for a star party. It was just a little bit breezy, just breezy enough that the mosquitoes weren't too bad. Yeah. And the, the sky was clear, so it was perfect. When we were leaving the convention center headquarters, it was really um, overcast. Mm -hmm. And so we had a lot more people signed up 
but they saw what the sky looked like and they were like, just kidding, never mind. But then we got out there and it was perfectly clear. So like it, as we were leaving the, the convention center, it started clearing out and it was like, all right, this is, this is going to turn out good. This is going to turn out good. But the really funny thing was that, um, a couple weeks ago I had contacted somebody on the world girl birders Facebook page, my favorite page. And because she had posted like, Hey, I um, am a bird guide in Peru. And so I wanted to add her to our website page, the uh, section on women guiding, just so I can fill that out a little bit more since I don't have anybody from Peru. And so I had had this conversation a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm driving the van out to the star party, I heard the people in the back behind me talk about Peru and they said the name Doris. And I was like, I somehow drew that connection. I was like, oh my gosh, are you Danita, Danito? I can't remember what her name is on Facebook. It's like Danito or Dorito, right? Or Dorita? Something like that. Yes. Anyways, it's very unique and it's something that stuck in my mind. And so I was like, oh my gosh, is this you? And she said, yes. So it was just, (laughs) it was just wild, you know, small world that I contacted this Peruvian guide a couple weeks ago and she ends up being in my van. And neither of us knew that this was going to happen. So yeah, seriously, that, that was just, that was wild. I'm still like in shock and awe about it. So <laughs> that was really cool. Aside from that, uh, yeah. the star party was great. Yeah, it was good. We got back a little, a little late and then we had to get up for our longest day the next day. Yeah. So, so our day two of the trip, um, we guided at, uh, what they call the upper Rio trip, which is, um, Salonino and Falcon state park, which Salonino is a little over a two-hour drive from Harlingen, so it's we we leave at five, and we head up, and we do, we don't get up there until after sunrise. So it's a long drive. Um, I think our bus w- wasn't quite full; had about thirty participants, which which is nice because then it's easier to kind of split people up when it's not going to be split up into like two giant groups; it's split up into two more medium-sized groups. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so the guide to participant ratio is a little smaller. Yeah. So it's a little bit more guides per person, (laughs) but, um, so we, 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 uh, we did that the second day we headed up. It's like I said, two hour drive, get to Salonino, which is in a little, uh, the little town or village. I'm not sure which it's, which you would call it of Salonino. And, um, we parked the bus in right in front of the church and we walk about a quarter mile down the, down the hill, right to the river. So we're right on the river. Right the in, Rio Grande. The Rio Grande. Right on pristine habitat that hasn't been demolished, hasn't been mowed down or anything and who knows how long. It's mesquites and uh, big, Arun- not, not Arundo cane, but the the native, uh, right. no. the, the native grass that's along the side of the river there. I can't, I can't remember what um, species it is, but it's uh, just like awesome river. It's just like and you can this see- big wide flat river it's nice yeah and there's some like uh big rocks in the middle of it Mm -hmm. so there's sections where ducks like to hang out and i think we had a spotted sandpiper hanging out there too uh but up and down the river you know we saw greyhawk we had uh uh, kingfishers flying back and forth um anhingas cormorants and you know the the mexico is just on the other side so we were watching cream jays go from one side to the other like oh it's on your mexican list oh it's on your u.s list now yeah so so Um, a lot of people keep keep separate lists which um alex was um, one of the other guides with us we had um clay taylor from swarovski and alex lamero from wild tide tours they were um all four of us were guiding this, and Alex was keeping track of the eBird list. So I found out the next day he shared another list with me, which was 
all of the birds that he had listed as <laughs> birds that he saw while they were in Mexico. So, so we got a lot more Mexican species that day. <laughs> yeah, so we, he listed um, all, all of the regular, listed it as we typically do for each of the trips, um, all of the U.S. species, and then an additional one for, for the guides. I guess he just did it for the guides. I, I'm not sure if he shared that to the festival or not. But I, but he ended up sharing that with uh, all the birds separated out for which ones were in Mexico. So that's a lot of work. Good, good job, <laughs> Alex, on keeping up on that. So um, we checked out the river for a bit, and then the feeders opened up. So Cel Nino is just really unique. It's two, two RVs and in a little patch of land that was donated years and years ago to the Valley Land Fund. Mm -hmm. But it's... it's um, in conjunction with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. So as we understand it, the property is owned by the Valley Land Fund and the volunteers are supplied and supported through the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. But only supported in so much as that they're allowed to be there. Yeah. And from, from my understanding. Because the U.S. Fish and Wildlife doesn't provide the bird seed and uh -huh. it doesn't provide the um, any of the stuff. They just provide the spot for the volunteers. Which which is fine because they, they get... Well, I mean, it would be nice if they got some more money, but... They they get a lot of donations. So all of the birdseed, all of the um, all of their infrastructure rebuilding, anytime they have to equipment fix things, support a potty is all on them and on the um, donations that come in from birders that go there and donate a dollar here, dollar there. And if you haven't been there before, it's fantastic. Uh, they have chairs set up in front of the RVs and the feeder feeding station. And I actually we posted a video on our Facebook page. So the feeders at Salonino are like really, really good because it has to do with the habitat, it has to do with the regularity of them being um, refilled and everything, but the um, they're really common to see lots of valley rarities and lots of valley specialties uh -huh. right there at the feeders. You don't even have to get up and go hiking anywhere, just I know, you just sit the there feeders. for like hours and just like wait for things to come in. So we had all three Oriole species. All, we... all three expected species, Altamira, Hooded, and uh, Audubon's. Audubon's. Um, we had an olive sparrow that was bathing in the little pond to the right of the feeders, so that was really cool. Mm -hmm. Super out in the open. Yeah. Long-billed thrashers. We had chachalacas. White-tipped doves. White-tipped doves. It was great, which was good because last year yeah. it wasn't so great when we were there. It was like red-winged blackbirds, palooza last year. Yeah, this, this year it was what it typically is, just full of variety, full of species. They'd all flush, and then they'd all come right back. And it's just back and forth, back and forth, back. It's really, really good. So after spending a few minutes, uh, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, something like that there, yeah. just enjoying the birds, doing their bird thing, uh, we part of the group split off, which ended up being the entire group. Like 99%. <laughs> there was one person left that wanted to hang out at the feeders. Yeah. But um, we we headed down and uh, walk, walked upstream on the river. So it was uh, walking west along the river, or north along the river. I don't know. But walking upstream. What? And, uh, oh, I don't know which direction they've had that. Okay. Meandering okay. Well, is anyways, going. Anyway, we, we walked the water. against the water upstream. Um, about a quarter mile or so, maybe a half mile maximum. Um, Where we get a little bit better of a view of the river. Yeah, get a little bit better view, a little bit more um, rural. Because it's a little bit, uh, right, when you come down the stream, it's natural, but a lot of cars go down there and turn around a lot of fishermen. So it's. Yeah. It gets used, if you go, it's a little bit more wild if you go a quarter mile up. Like, yeah. It's not a huge difference, but it's a little bit. So um, there we had a great look at a Morlet Seed Eater. The, one of the main targets for this location, and the Morlet Seed Eater. And actually a lifer for us. Yeah. So that was really exciting. Our only lifer that we got the whole time. Yeah. 
And uh, lots of really good looks at Paralexia. Uh-huh. And then at, actually a fairly good look at a zone-tailed hawk flying over. Yeah. Which I was not expecting at all to see. I was kind of keeping my eyes hopeful for it. But it fly, flying, powered flight, going upstream. Which this year... Uh, there were a lot of sightings of zone-tailed hawks, I think, between 5 and 10 throughout the whole festival. And usually it's, like, maybe one or two and then, like, a couple throughout the year. But this year, like, there was a lot. So I don't know if it's eruptive or, you know, range is spreading or what. But, yeah, that was that was a really good look. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was really good. So after we got our fill of that, it was we were pushing, we were pushing the clock already. So we, uh, we all loaded up into the bus um, and headed over to Falcon State Park. But on the way, we took what they call the dump road, which is um, kind of a gravel back road that gets between San Nino and Falcon State Park. Um, people used to dump a lot of trash there, so they call it the dump road. Um, and we had lots and lots of really good comparative looks between plumages of male and female greater roadrunners. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, we were so all, was... like, all on the lookout for different birds, and it was like, cardinal. Mockingbird, and then I was like, Roadrunner! <laughs> yeah, so we, we, pulled, we pulled the bus over right there on the side of the road. Everyone was able to see great from the bus, which was awesome. Um, we were able to see, like I said, comparative between a male and a female just standing right next to each other. So that was, that was really good to get that. And then we got over to Falcon State Park, and that was the hottest day of the festival. Mm-hmm. I think at Falcon, it got to like 96 degrees. At least. It was you know, hot, yeah. and it was November, so that was not cool. Um, but I, I felt bad. I was probably pretty useless. I, I get hot and dehydrated really fast, especially in humid areas. And so I was pretty much just the scope carrier. Um, because yeah, I, I got super hot and I don't know how everybody else does it. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so it was super hot, but we, the participants, they didn't really seem to care that it was that hot. It was like, we, we were like, okay, well, we'll pull over here. We'll walk for a little ways. And we started to walk and we couldn't get the participants to turn back around and get on the bus. It was like, all right, we'll just keep walking. We'll just do more. We'll do more. It's all good. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, let's go. So we ended up seeing some really good looks. Um, I'm pretty sure most of the group got on some black-throated sparrows, which is, again, the target for that area. So we got all of our main targets. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's a few things that, I mean, you can always hope for, but the main targets for the area, we got them, which is ideal you get out there get them get them really easy get everyone on them it was good yeah and uh, we also had uh whitetail hawk um lots, snow geese yeah snow geese and greater, greater white fronted yeah so we had we had lots of lots of really good birds despite the 96 degree temperatures <laughs> so so yeah it was a good so trip that was a good trip and then uh got back on the bus and on the way back ebert had crashed Yes. Uh, unfortunately. It happens. And, yeah, it does. But uh, the festival, it kind of, it relies pretty heavily on eBird for all the listing and reporting, which totally makes sense. I mean, it's a great service that to do that Oh, it's with. a fantastic resource that's perfect for, like, the festival you utilize, I feel like it utilizes it perfectly, and it's unfortunate when, uh, it's not eBird, but it's Cornell's servers mm-hmm. crashed, and... Um, eBird utilizes Cornell servers. And I got on Twitter. I was like, eBird, what are you doing? I need you. And they were like, yeah, we know. <laughs> so, so it's it's all good. It happens. It happens from time to time. They, they got it back up within the same day. So we're, here, we're able to submit our reports before we went to sleep. And here's your episode reminder that they don't pay us at all. They should, but they don't. We pay them, in fact, uh, for because we love them. And so we want yes. them to have our money. We want, we want them to do well. Yeah. So... That was uh, kind of the hiccup in that day. But also, there was a brown booby that was spotted 
um, they came, so there's the, the cruise out to the Collie, uh, or it's the Collie cruise. They go out and look for mangrove warblers mm-hmm. in, uh, the Laguna Madre and a brown booby had followed them and another fishing boat in. And so they had all seen it. And then a couple other guides, they went out and chased it and got it from like Pier 19 out at South Padre Island. Mm-hmm. We decided we're going to go get lunch. And then, uh, maybe we should go find it. So we uh, went out there and found it, or we didn't try to it. find it. We went out there and then like, we were maybe 20 or 30 minutes after the last person had spotted it. And, uh, yeah, we missed it. So that's cool. Yeah, it happens. But we were also tired and it was, we, we were, we were out late the night before we got up at three thirty to get so ready get on this to get on bus. This, this day. So it was lots of long days, but that, that's what the festival is about. The festival is about older. having long days. Lots of birding and no sleeping. I can't do which it Which is awesome. No, come on. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, that was kind of a bummer. I think we ended up getting dinner with some friends that night. And then got up early the next morning to go to Santa Ana National mm-hmm. Wildlife Refuge. Which, you guys have heard me say how much I love National Wildlife Refuges. And so, we had gone... I think we went on one almost every day. Except for when we went to Benson. So, that's cool. And I love that. Yeah. So... We went to Santa Ana National Wildlife Refuge, and the temperature that day was like 58, and it had <laughs> rained the day before. Well, so it, it's overnight, a, a cold front blew through yeah. and drastically changed the temperature. The whole valley just dropped by 40 degrees overnight. and <laughs> Which made it much more comfortable. <laughs> yeah, definitely more comfortable, but because it had rained, Santa Ana, and most of the valley as well, the mud is so sticky and so, like clumpy it's so full of clay it's so just like hard to walk on when it's wet so the valley is pretty like all the trails are pretty much made up of this like really clayey mud and caliche and caliche can get kind of slick and actually the mud can get really slick yeah. too and caliche is just another it's a type of gravel it's yeah. so instead of being uh um, crushed basalt it's caliche which is a different type of rock yeah but so, it's yeah <laughs> but it's something that i've only really experienced down there yeah no, I think caliche is really only used down there. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, so anyways, it was kind of rough going that day at Santa Ana. We went to go out to the Pintail Lakes, but the mud was so thick, we would all get on the trail and be three inches taller. Um, <laughs> at least. But it was really good. We had vermilion flycatcher, we had pipits, um, kingfishers, there was a loggerhead shrike, like... Wilson was, snipe, Wilson, yeah, long-billed dowagers. We had t- lots and lots, of, lots ducks. of variety. We ended up, um, I think, we were almost seventy species, even though it was pretty heavy wind, still raining, and a little bit chilly for a lot of participants. But uh, yeah, almost seventy species for a day that is just kind of like eh for weather. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it just it just shows like how amazing these places down in the valley are santa Ana national wildlife like every single spot that we go to you go to is just like fantastic for the varieties of birds that are easily found and then you do some really hard hunting and searching and you can find even more so it's it's just crazy so after like maybe an hour or so out there we kind of cut our losses because we didn't walk all the way out to the end of the lakes because it it was so rough going and people were having trouble walking, so we went back to the tower, mm-hmm. and you went up the tower. I didn't go up. Yeah. I was waiting for everybody to get down and reorganize, but what did you guys have up there? So up on the top of the tower, we, we went up. I think probably about half the group ended up uh, coming up, and... I think you, everybody did. Did everyone go up? Yeah. Oh, well, it's a very small... It only fits like 10 people Well, there's the top, two towers. So. Oh, yeah, you're right. There's the shorter one. 
with the with the bridge on it. Mm-hmm. But um, up, up where I was at, we had um, tons of Harris's hawks fly by. A whole family group, probably four, five individuals, just flying, soaring, and then they land in some of the trees real close. We also had uh, Swainson's hawks and a few vultures, and it was the wind is still whipping at this point. We're 15, 20 mile an hour winds plus a little bit of drizzle, so it's not ideal weather for hawk watching, but we still we still had some hawks. And I had a common parake at the base of the tower, so everybody got on the common parake. That's good. Yeah, so that was really cool, and it was in the same spot as last year, so that makes it easy. <laughs> um, and then we decided to head back into the forest. We chased a mixed flock for a little bit of passerines. There was titmouse, and uh, there was yellow-throated warbler, and black-throated green, black-and-white warbler. I think there was a Wilson's in there too, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So that, yeah, that ended up being really good. And then some, we started to head back because we were cutting it close on time. And some people decided to go back early and go to the bathroom, check the feeders at the, uh, at the visitor center. And we decided to take the rest of the group and go along to the blind. And then we were going to head back and meet them. And make a little bit wider of a loop. So half the group took a little shortcut. And then the other half of us walked over to uh, Willow Lake Trail. And we ended up getting a group build Ani yeah, on that just trail. just popped out, super vocal, hanging out. And it's a little late for them. It's not like, you know, it's an impossible bird um, in the valley, but it was just a little late. Typically, they're more of a summer bird out in the Rio Grande. So that was really cool. Got back to the visitor center. Uh, like I said, there's the feeding station inside that you can go watch. And, man, it was hopping. We had uh, white-tipped doves. We had a rose-breasted grosbeak come in. Yeah, a lot I, of I missed saw. that. I was I was outside trying to talk to – I was talking to one of the participants about what was going on for the day. And So I, I was outside, and um, Tony came out, and he was like, hey, there's a rose-breasted grosbeak in there. And then the guy that I was with was like, oh, my gosh. And he took off running inside. I, I don't know if he saw it. I was – I was like, oh, I'll stay out here and make sure that we still have everyone in the whole group. So that was really good. Um, and then we got back on the bus, and Eric and I had parrot vans for that evening. And mm-hmm. if you haven't been to the, the festival before, the parrot vans are a lot of fun. Uh, there's five vans, and we fill them with, I think, ten people each. Or four or five vans, it depends on the day. Yeah, um, they, 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 they fill the vans completely full because we're not going to be spending a lot of time in the van is the idea. Yeah, and so we just drive around Harlingen, and first we look for the green parakeets, mm-hmm. which are, they roost a little bit earlier, and they're a little bit more unpredictable, so we try to get them first. But we uh, all drive around Harlingen in different places and see if we can see them flying over first. And this was the first time that Eric and I were the first ones to find the green parakeets, yes, so that was, was really exciting. <laughs> And then um, everybody congregated on that, and then we split up again and looked for the parrot flock, and we found that in a neighborhood that was it was pretty close to where it was last yeah, it was, year. Yeah, it was a couple blocks off from where they were last year, but re- pretty much the same same spot they were last year, which was convenient and nice. But uh, lots lots and lots of parrots. So I think uh, well over three hundred parrots Maybe, probably within yeah, this flock. Probably most of them red crowns. Um, there was a couple red lord, a couple lilac crowned. And then a really weird-looking yellow four-headed one, which... Was probably a hybrid. It's probably a hybrid. Maybe not. Maybe it was just a, a melanistic bird, but it was still interesting. But it's so much fun. They're really gregarious and really interesting, and a lot of locals stop by and, like, what are all these people doing standing <laughs> in the middle of the road? And We're, you know, we're just in a random neighborhood, and people are stopping asking us, what's going on? 
Yeah, and, and then we one tell of, him come to the festival next year, and you'll find out. <laughs> and one of our friends, Simon, he's um, getting his PhD on in mm-hmm. researching parrots, so he goes on I think all the parrot trips. I think he does all of them, yeah. And he's just a wealth of knowledge about them, so it's so much fun to go and listen to what he has to say, and uh, yeah, and interact with people and watch these really fun birds. Yeah, it's really good. So, um, so that was parrot, the parrot vans. The next day we had our big day vans. Our big, the big day vans. It's Kind of, I think I've heard Mary describe it once as it's a mini big day because we don't start at midnight and go to midnight. We start at six a.m. and Who's we time for that. <laughs> we start at six a.m. and we go until three forty-five, and then four o'clock, four thirty is when we're supposed to be back to the convention center. But our list has to be submitted by three forty-five. And we all kind of have the same general plan. Like there's five big day vans, mm-hmm. and we did this last year, and last year was our first year doing it. Um, and I think last year we ended up with 120 species or something, something like, like that. that yeah. Uh, but this year we were gonna make some. We were gonna correct some mistakes that we made last year and wasted time and everything. And so we had a little bit of a different plan. We had a spotting scope this year, which was great. We had one last year, but it wasn't very good. This year we have a much better. Don't spotting make fun scope. of Nancy's spotting. Scope. No, no, we had we had your your little Burris. Did we have mine? We did, but we also used Nancy's, which hers was a lot better than your little Burris. <laughs> Well, anyways, um, first thing, we made a mistake. We went to go look for the parrots that we had seen the night before. And so we were like, okay, this will be a 10-minute detour on our way. Sun hasn't come up yet. You know, we'll get it, and then we'll be, like, one ahead. Yeah, so so the parrots, they fly early in the morning, but we don't usually see them go over the convention center until 6.30. So uh-huh. I thought if we get over there by 6.10, we should, get them. We, we should be able to get them at, at their roost. But we didn't. Trees were empty. Yeah, so tree, then, tree, completely empty. Not a single bird in them. <laughs> so then we headed on to Asteriana Grande State Park, which of course is one of our favorite spots. Yes, and also really just good. a really good birding location. And we scoured it and ended up with 104 species. Yeah, I think 104 species before we left there. Yeah, but just really good looks at birds too. You know, we didn't get the eastern screech owl like we did last year but we mm-hmm. had a couple common parake parakeys why do i keep saying parake parake I have no um, idea. <laughs> uh, we had a, another rose-breasted grosbeak yeah. we had uh all the hummingbirds yeah all, all four expected species of hummingbirds we got them and those there it was it was easy to to get those surprisingly they just like had two two we had a um uh rufus and then a black chin was attacking it and then a yeah. few minutes later we had a ruby throated right next to a um, buff bellied so it was like boom, 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 like yeah. real quick, done and done and over with. Okay, we got four. Moving on. <laughs> so then, um, yeah. So we hit Astero, and uh, then we got some information through the the guides, like uh, group text, that Sugar House Lake was be, was really good. So we were like, okay, we've never been there, but maybe let's give it a try. We we decided to go there. Um, there there was a lot of uh, shorebirds and waterfowl being seen, so we thought. We would hit that because that's more on the way than our other shorebird spot that we were planning on hitting was going to be. Mm-hmm. So we were like, oh, we can, if we get the shorebirds there, then we don't have to go way far out of the way for this other one. Yeah. So we ended up trying Sugar House and got to the wrong spot. I blame inexperience <laughs> and partially the GPS coordinates for eBird were a little bit off. Yeah, they were but right on top of the sugar warehousing or sugar processing plant. I was combining those two words. Where <laughs> processing warehouse and um, the fermenting ponds, which is probably one of the worst smells well, I've it's, ever smelled. It's, it's not even fermenting ponds. It was just like the uh, it's the wastewater from the sugar water processing. So it's all the wastewater that comes out, and then it's, it's settling out before they can discharge it to the 
wherever the heck they discharge it to the stream or the lake or whatever. Well, it was quite the education oh because gosh. I did not know about this whole process. And, you know, I eat, sh- I've eaten sugar my whole life. But it, <laughs> it's smelly business. And we ended up in the wrong spot. So we um, got maybe one or two birds and then later realized that we were uh, where we were supposed to have gone. So cut our losses, um, headed out to South Padre Island because those are like the two big spots, Estero and then South Padre Island. And then a couple secret spots in between when you're trying to fil- flesh out your list with the things that the other teams aren't going to get. So we stopped off at Laredo Taco Company because it's delicious mm-hmm. and hit the Aplomato Falcon Hacking Tower uh, to get that real quick, everybody got out and we had we had the nice scope this year, the nice ice that we have. So it's it was easy to get everyone good look, and everyone was satisfied with the look. And we hopped in the van and continued on. Yep, and then we got out to the convention center. Um, of course, we stopped at Sheep's Head first, which mm-hmm. I think we've talked about Sheep's Head before in previous episodes. But it's literally just two lots in amongst uh, houses that have been set aside for nature. So it's a really good spot to get a lot of um, warbler species. It's a great place to go during spring migration. And it's on Sheep's Head Road, so that makes it really easy. Easy um, to find. Yeah. Just, go, just drive on Sheep's Head until you see all the birders. <laughs> You'll find it. Um, <laughs> so I think we we picked up a couple more there. Yeah, a handful of warblers. It, so the island was not a... Like, after getting over 100 species at Estero, I was super jazzed, and I could not wait to get to the island. Because I was like, if this level of, a, is, of activity is going on here... Up in the mid mid valley, down there in the lower valley, at, at the it's island, it's just going to be hot. nuts. And we got down there, and it was good. Like, don't get me wrong at all, it was really good. But it was not blow your socks off, <sighs> fall out, like craziness that yeah. I was hoping for. <laughs> but it was really good. We got lots of species. We got uh, um, yellow-billed cuckoo. We got um, male and female summer tanagers. Cat hooded warbler, catbirds, just all sorts of really good Really good migrants right there at Sheep's Head within, like, five minutes. Magnolia Warbler, um, Oven Bird, like, boom, 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 boom. They're just piling on real quick. And then we headed on over to the convention center, and mm-hmm. on the way we stopped and got a Marble Godwit, which I'm actually yes. wondering if anybody else got a Marble Godwit. I think we may have been the only one. Unless, so we, I always miss getting back to the main road. I <laughs> always miss that first turn, so I end up driving back this back road for, like, four more blocks than I need to that before It goes past getting, a couple restaurants. It goes past, exactly. And there's a couple parking lots and it was in one of the parking lots and the grassy strip in one of the parking lots. So I, I, I do wonder if any other teams ended up with a Marble Godwit. Um, so then we got to the convention center and there was a Veterans Day like festival going on at <laughs> yeah. the time. And somebody also said a wedding. So we're, we're like, oh no, they're not going to let us in and we're going to have to walk half a mile in, which is going to take so it's much gonna, more it's time. It's going to kill the day. We won't be able to do it. Yeah. So, um, we got up to the officer that was directing traffic and we held up our binoculars and he was, he just waved us in. And He's like, oh, burning. Okay. Go on. And the parking lot was like empty. <laughs> they just like weren't letting people from the festival go in. So that was funny. Uh, but convention center, we got some shorebirds. We had a couple goals and, I, and a couple, a couple more warblers and too. Skimmers. Northern water thrush. Um, we had more, some more wood thrushes there. Um, and then Northern Perula. I'm so, trying to think. I don't think we had any other new warblers there. So, um, all in all, we ended with 140 species, which I mean, is pretty respectable yeah, for like a, a day of birding. Yeah. It's it's say. Not even a full day. Cause we don't, we don't even go to sun. It's basically a sun, sunrise to afternoon to, to afternoon yeah um we did not win however we came in last uh but javi gonzalez who's 
and Alex Lamoureux, a couple of our friends, they won. Their team got 165. Um, they probably didn't make those mistakes that we did. Javi is from the Valley. Yeah, he, he knows he has, where things are at. He has worked all over the place in the Valley. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't feel so bad about losing to him. No, I, don't feel, I, don't, I don't feel bad losing to any of the guys, any, <laughs> any of these other guys. The, one of the other teams was uh, Ann Nightingale and Jim Dancebaker. Jim Dancebaker. And then um, who was Dave Irons with? I don't oh, remember. Man, I feel bad that I can't, I can't remember now. But he, Dave Irons, he's a fantastic Oregon birder. He was another another team, and then Brian that, and Marky and, and Brian, Brian Cock and um, Marky Marky. I don't remember her last name. Marky Bird Girl on on Facebook. Yeah, not sure. <laughs> but they they were in another in the other in the other van. So it, losing to any of them is just like they're they're fantastic birders, and they're they're really gonna get get some good numbers up in there. Yeah, so it was fun. Um, we had fun with our group, and hope they had a good time too. Yeah. Um, that afternoon we spent a lot more time at the expo. We don't always get to spend time at the expo because there's things to chase. We have people to talk to um and that was the case with the expo we hardly got <laughs> through any of it because every 10 feet we ran into another friend which is something so unique about this festival is we don't work in the bird community anymore um like as our day jobs we do podcasts and we go to festivals and you know we see people when we can but we don't see a whole lot of people all the time and so it's just really special that we can go to an expo and every 10 feet we find some a friend to talk to yes yeah, somebody that we haven't talked to in a year a year so, sometimes a year sometimes it's been a little bit shorter but for the most part it's been a full year since we talked to a lot of these people so that it's so much fun the connection that we have at the festival with with our friends and also having people walk up and say you know i've listened to your podcast and i think it's really cool or i listen to your podcast you guys suck you know any of those interactions are really <laughs> if you have meaningful. the guts to tell us to our face Go for it. That's. <laughs> I think I'll buy you a beer at that point. <laughs> it's, uh, it's worth a beer if you if you can come up to us and tell us how much you think we suck. <laughs> I don't know if we want to open that can of worms. <laughs> um, so anyway, so that was fun. Uh, the next day was our last uh, day, and we went to Benson State Park, my old stomping grounds, mm -hmm. and that's that's definitely one of the most fun days for me because I get to see like all my old coworkers and <laughs> see how the parks changed and what's happening. And we had almost a full bus. Um, yeah, I think this was the biggest load that we had. Yeah. And this day we guided with one of our friends from Edinburgh Scenic Wetlands, Becky, and also Lori Foss, who we've actually never really met before. She's yeah. guided at the festival too, but there's like 50 guides, so we don't get to know everybody. Um, but Lori was just, she's super nice. She has a great attitude. She likes to go about birding kind of slow and take advantage of every moment. And that was so different from the way that we typically have guided. Well, so, cause you, cause you, you worked at Benson. So yeah. you had a certain route. I have a route. You, you have a route. You go, you hit the certain spots each time. And it's pretty much for you. It's very similar every single time. And we, um, did this a little differently, letting, uh, Lori kind of set the pace for how, how we were going to get through the park. And it was pretty different from what I've ever gone through the park. And same with you. It was but just, it, it was great. It was really good though. It was def definitely an eye opener to just because you do it one way, doesn't mean that that's the only way to do it. Like no, there's so many other ways you can bird a park. And I, I guided walks there two times, two to three times a week for a year and a half. And so, like you said, I have a route that I go about and that's just, you know, because of how I was taught and everything. But, um, 
letting somebody else do it is really like liberating, like seeing how other people would do it because you know, I've been down all those trails and I, I know like this one's not really worthwhile unless you're looking for this specific thing. Mm -hmm. so. Well, and, and then sometimes that can come and bite you when it's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm not going to spend a bunch of time here. I'm just going to walk through this and then get to, get to this next thing that's going to be really good. Yeah. And then you get there and it's not that great when you could have been good before. So it was, it was definitely a, a experience and a, a learning like embrace how things are going as they're going yeah. better. Well, so we started off by going to the uh, gardens, which we normally do, but we spent a lot more time in the gardens than we normally do. Mm -hmm. We just scoured it and we ended up getting some great looks at uh, olive sparrows. We had Altamira's calling, green jays. We had woodpeckers, black Phoebe. There was a swamp sparrow um, along the canal. Mm -hmm. So it was... It was really good. It was definitely productive to spend some more time there than we typically do. And then we headed into the park at the nat Nature Center, mm -hmm. which is definitely one of my favorite places. There's 70 to 80 chachalacas that hang out at the feeders, <laughs> and they're like my little babies. Um, so we enjoyed watching those, and white-tipped doves, and Inca doves, and all the regular stuff right there. A couple Orioles coming in, so that's always a really good spot, too. Yeah, so... We spent some time there. While we were there, one of the participants came up to me and showed me. She told me that they saw a fork-tailed flycatcher. She was thinking it was probably the best bird that they had yesterday, just kind of offhandedly saying it. And I was like, wait a minute. Whoa, slow down. What do you mean fork? You mean a scissor tail, right? And she's like, no, 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 a fork tail. So I was like, well, she's like, I got a picture of it too. I was like, okay. So I took a, took a look at the picture and it's like, oh, that's 100% a forktail flycatcher. <laughs> it's black calf, black tail, like a giant eastern kingbird with a super long tail. Like, this is a forktail flycatcher. I was like, oh my gosh, can I, do you mind if I take a picture of this and send this to, send this to the group and, this, and see if we can get somebody else to go refine this? She's like, oh yeah, go ahead. So I t took a picture of it, set it off, and all of a sudden, the whole group chat with all the guys is just blowing up. Like, <gasps> when was this? What? Where was this? How do you, what, what's going on? Why didn't anyone tell us about it? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It was yesterday, three o'clock. She didn't know that she had found something that's this exciting. It's all good. And so then we had some people go out and look for it and no nobody ended up refining it, but um but I ended up getting contacted just like yesterday or the other day from about the e -bird review. from the eBird reviewer like, Hey, that WhatsApp thing that you sent out, do you have any information on that lady that saw it? I was like, I do not. <laughs> Eric, name, phone number, come on. Yeah, you seriously, know I need stuff. I need to get that stuff. So be diligent. <laughs> so besides that, we got back in the bus and all went off to the Rusaka, which is the lake inside the park. And we spent a ton of time there, which was really productive. Mm -hmm. We had kingfishers. We had gadwalls, shovelers, egrets. Um, there was a, wasn't there a snipe there too? Yeah, there was another, found? another Wilson snipe there too. The Wilson snipes like crazy this year. Starlings, which are actually pretty uncommon. Pretty uncommon inside the park. Yeah. yeah. So that was just fantastic. Um, and then your group headed off to the Kiskadee Blind, and my yeah. group, we headed off to the Green Jay Blind. Um, there's two blinds in the park. The Green Jay... They're pretty was, much identical. <laughs> the Green Jay was very productive. We had um, a javelina in it, long-billed thrashers. We had, um, I think we had a warbler, too, come in, as well as Green Jays and, and woodpeckers and things. So it was really good. Yeah. Yeah, so we went over to the Kiskadee Blind, my group. Um, I think it was me and Becky. Uh, we headed over to the Kiskadee Blind with about half the participants. Um, really not that much going on inside the blind itself, but on the route to the blind, there's a specific tree, a, a snag, that has a hole in the top of it, and an eastern screech owl is, for years, has been roosting there daily. And 
everyone be one of my favorite right. things to show people exactly it's just like amazing to be like oh yeah by the way right there that's a that's an owl there's an owl there's an owl just look at it <laughs> and so people get super excited about it i didn't think to warn my my group that hey we, we're gonna walk past this don't turn around keep walking and then when when we get to when we get about 100 feet away we'll turn around i'll set up the scope and we'll look at it um but because everyone has said oh it's not there it's not there it's not there but as soon as as soon as i got up where i was parallel out of the corner of my eye i saw it like sitting there poking its head out and i'm like oh man so i was like trying to rush my group along like quietly like all right let's let's get all the way down here we got down there we got turned around and it was still up and there i got i think about half my group on it maybe a little bit more but then somebody else came walking up the trail and turned around to look at what we we're looking at and he was only like 10 feet away from it when he did that ah uh, so it was gone yeah you see the whites of your eyes they saw, the, saw the whites of your eyes you're too close it's gone so i as soon as that person caught up with the, with the group i let him know hey that tree right there <laughs> you scared off the owl <laughs> <laughs> well, i wasn't mean i, I was like that that tree right there just Keep an eye on it. Um, we'll, we'll go walk. We'll go walk down the trail. It may poke its head back out. It may not. Who knows? But uh, don't look at it from any closer than where we were standing, which is about hundred feet away. Yeah. So, it it ended up not coming back out. But I got I got about half the group on the eastern screech owl, and then we had a, we had a couple just random fly flyby um, green jays and and uh, cardinals, but not much activity going on over at Kiskadee that day. Um, so then we got everybody back together on the bus and headed off to the Hawk Tower, which was one of the main things that you got to see at Benson, regardless of whether the hawk migration is going on or not, because you can see Mexico from there. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like you're looking directly into Mexico, but it's like from afar, you can see Mexico. Yeah. You can see buildings over there. Exactly. Yeah. So, so we went up there. The activity was actually pretty good, but it was late enough in the day that most of the hawks were soaring pretty high. Yeah. Um, but, I didn't think the activity was going to be high at all because of the overcastness that it wasn't, it wasn't really that warm or anything, but the, the hawks were flying They were and they were pretty high. We had uh, quite a few black vultures, turkey vultures, uh, lots of budios, lots of budios that were hard to differentiate <laughs> because of the giant distance that some of them were. Um, a whole group of pelicans. Yeah, and then our friend uh, John Kay, who's the hawk counter, mm -hmm. he was up there, and he's always fantastic. I always like to just bring a group up and then say, hey, John, you know, talk about the hawks, because he can go on and on and on, and it's just really interesting stuff that he has to say. He's he's done it for years, and he has a really interesting insight into the hawk migration that we have, as well as how to ID some of the things that are flying over. Hawk watchers are always really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so um, so that that was that was pretty much the Benson trip. Um, we headed back to the convention center. Um, we had a little bit more time to talk talk to some people before uh, before the dinner that night, which is like this is a survivors dinner for all the expo people and the guides, guides. to get together and have a last dinner celebrating another year well spent, and then we head off to our flights. So. It was, it was really nice talking with everyone at the convention center before the dinner and then nice to sit down and have dinner with, with some of these people and just enjoy, enjoy a meal. Yeah. And it's just, it's, I'll just reiterate that it's just so much fun going to the festival and we get to know more and more people every year. The first year, you know, it was just kind of, we knew a couple people, a couple of the local people at the festival, but not like most of the guides. And, um, so we were... We felt kind of sad, you know, we didn't know a whole lot of people and we've progressively gotten to know more and more people. So it's, it, that just makes it so much more fun to me because of course I love going and seeing all those birds that we don't get to see anymore because we don't live in the Valley anymore. But 
it's also just fun for the camaraderie and mm -hmm. the um the yeah the friends we built yeah or friendships we oh, yeah, built definitely. we didn't build any friends <laughs> that's not well, possible yeah. weird science no none of that stuff going on i'm not on. a robot scientist <laughs> um so yeah, everybody just had to get up early to go on flights or bird. Yeah, or, our flight. Or our flight was at five thirty in the morning. Um, a couple of our friends were going out uh, plover banding. Yeah. Uh, or radio telemetry. That's what they're doing. They're putting radio telemetry on plovers. First, they had to go out there. And they had to be out there at like five or something <laughs> like that too, for that. So like everyone had super early morning. So we didn't uh, didn't end up doing too much drinking that night. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we're definitely going to miss the Valley. This is one of the highlights of our year. Uh, I wrote a blog that was what the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival means to me. So check that out on our website. If you want to get all teary eyed, and I, I can read it to you in a sad voice if you want. Um, but yeah, we always have a good time and we're glad that they still invite us back. Yeah. Hopefully they'll invite us back next year. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> one other thing about the festival, we put together a, a silent auction item for the city of Cannon Beach, which is where we live. And, um, we included a lot or we had donations from a lot of local businesses that helped support that. And, uh, this, the funding or the silent auction money mm -hmm. goes to supporting the festival and you know making sure that it can go on next year yeah so the festival is entirely run by volunteers uh -huh. so everything is just so volunteer driven there's the the entire year worth of time that's put into this the rental for all the stuff the vans the, the buses the facilities there's so much that goes into this that is all behind the scenes that we don't that we as guys don't get to see and then the public doesn't get to see as participants and, and it goes to supporting this festival. Yeah, the, the, the money I mean, in it, the silent auction goes to supporting that and keeping keeping that alive and keeping that going, and, along with all the volunteers. And the community. <laughs> the Rio Grande Valley ha is hugely driven by birders. Yeah. And so it's so exciting that people are coming. And this year there were about 550 registered volunteers date. Participants. The, what did I say? Volunteers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's that many volunteers. But 550 participants that had signed up by day one. And then who knows how many additional signed up um, during the festival. They were really trying to recruit locals to come out and go birding. So um, all of these people pay hotels and pay the guides and restaurants and things like that. So it really helps support the Rio Grande Valley and the um, wildlife tourism industry. And, you know, you spend your money where you want to spend it. And it's so cool that these people choose to spend it this way. Yeah, and so we, we really wanted to, sh to give a shout out and a thank you to all of the Cannon Beach companies that donated. Um, to the Cannon Beach to, Experience to, to Basket. To the Cannon Beach Experience Basket. It and was awesome. Yes, and the, it, there was a bidding war on it, just so <laughs> if anyone know, wants to know, I don't I don't know what the final total was, but it was there was a bidding war, at least for the last two days of the silent auction being open. I saw lines crossed off and back and forth, back and forth <laughs> between some people, so... The Seabreeze Court, the hotel here that we uh, it was an easy we sell. managed. It was an easy sell for us to get to donate. Um, we donated a little bit. Uh, Moe's Chowder House um, here in Tolavana, they they donated. Um, Bill's Tavern, our local watering hole, yes. they, do they donated. That's where we hang out. Yes. Um, Bruce's Candy Kitchen, best taffy in, in the, the country, in the world. They they donated some some candy and some... Uh, a gift card. Uh, McGregor's Whiskey Bar donated a whiskey tasting experience. Which they're pretty new in town. We went to trivia there the other day. It was fun. It we was fun. We lost miserably. <laughs> well, we usually do. <laughs> um, Pelican Brewery also donated um, some swag and I think a gift card also. Yeah, a gift card. Um, Cannon Beach Soap Company donated some uh, some soaps. 
And bath bombs. And some bath, bath bombs. Uh, ice fire. Um, glass. Ga- glass glass gallery. Glassworks. Yeah, he, ice donate, fire. he yeah, he's, he donated this beautiful vase. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. Um, and then Sleepy Monk Coffee Roasters. Um, One of the best coffee places around. Yeah, they, they donated... Uh, <clears throat> a pound of coffee, pound of coffee and, and then a tin. And uh, a tin that says Sleepy Monk on it. It's yeah. like coffee tin, I guess. A little coffee tin and some... It was... It really, really, it was really generous of everyone to donate anything to this, and uh, we really want to thank everyone that did donate and thank people that were had a bidding war over it. Yeah, that's super cool. <laughs> um, so, as Eric said at the beginning, you know, this festival was a week long, and so it's really hard to fit every little bit of this festival in this conversation, and so we had to admit some details, and we actually recorded this one other time and it ended up being like an hour and a half and we were like nobody wants to listen to us talk for an hour and a half so this is going to get close to that anyways and we tried to put more (laughs) stuff into it we talked faster um (laughs) but anyways we're going to try to put some blog entries together so you have a little bit more detail about where we went and what we did because we want you to join us at you know the rio grande valley festival or maybe upcoming events that we do and and if you can't make it to the festival at least get down to the valley yeah so that's that. And then coming up next, what do we have, Eric? So we're going to San Diego slash Disneyland yeah. in a couple weeks. Um, we're going to head down there as kind of a pre-scouting for the um, San Diego Bird Festival in February. And then also just because Disneyland is where you go for Christmas. That's where we go for Christmas. <laughs> um, anyway, so if you are in the San Diego area, December 18th through the 20th and you want to go birding with us or if you want to grab a beer or something like that just hit us up um we have a couple plans but we would love for you to join us and we'll definitely be flexible if somebody wants to hang out (laughs) please hang out with us (laughs) um so there's that and then in february like eric said the san diego birding fest um we'll be there we'll be doing biking and birding and also a couple workshops so if you're planning planning on going to that festival we hope to see you there if you weren't but you might we hope to see you there yeah and then in May, we're going to be um, at the Indiana Dunes Birding Festival. Um, we're going to maybe try to combine that a little bit with uh, Biggest Week and uh, the Great Texas Birding Classic. <laughs> we're going to get no kind of, sleep in May. It kind of all falls together right in the same time frame. So we'll we'll see if we can get that all crammed together. I don't know. That's still really in the planning stages for all of that. So um, I that's it, right? Yeah. So thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and maybe learned something. Um, if you feel so inclined, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Music, Podchaser, and anywhere else you listen to us. If you would like to connect with us, please follow us on Instagram at Hannah Goes Birding and Eric Goes Birding. Hannah with an H. Eric with a K. Um, on our Facebook page, Hannah and Eric Go Birding. On Twitter at WeGoBirding. You could email us at Hannah and Eric at GoBirding at gmail.com. <laughs> I almost forgot it. And then our website is www.gobirdingpodcast.com. This is all in the show notes. I don't know why I keep saying it. It's it's important to say it out loud. See (laughs) see if you can pronounce it the same way each time. (laughs) Yeah, right. So, um, you know, we just uh, really appreciate it if you rate reviewed us and tell us what you liked about the show. Um, If you rate us poorly, tell us what you hate about the show. Maybe we'll change it. We'll see. Maybe not. (laughs) Uh, But please share us with your other bird nerd friends and help us share the love of birding.